0: This is Stadium to Boardroom. Listen in as top athletes tell their stories on how they developed into successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. They reveal their own aha moment of transformation from the
1: stadium to the boardroom.
0: Hello America, I'm Robert Reese, and I am with my all-star co-host, Len Green.
2: How you doing, Robert?
0: And welcome to Stadium to Boardroom. This is the only show in America where we speak with athletes who transferred their success into business and enterprise. We're here today with Graham Weaver. How are you, Graham? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. And we're excited to have you because Graham will talk about his athletics, but right now he is founder and CEO of Alpine Investors. And, you know, this is we love interviewing great company CEOs and you have turned this into a truly great company. Talk about what's unique
1: about Alpine investors. So I, uh, I've been in private equity 29 years and running Alpine for 23 of those. And, um, we around, we, we, we started off really slow and I was, I was 28 when I started the firm. So it took me a while to kind of get my footing and learn, the, the really learn the business and 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 learn how to how to be good at this business. But um, you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd say you know around the time of the Great Recession, we had to reevaluate a lot of things and really kind of took our business down to the studs, so to speak. I hired an executive coach and really started thinking of myself as a CEO of a business as opposed to someone who just ran around doing deals. Which I think is the identity that a lot of people in my business have: private equity. know uh they're first and foremost you know deal people as opposed to executives and i i really made that um that i did shift in my identity uh and started thinking of myself as running a real business and myself as a ceo and that that was really the turning point um and then from that a lot of really important changes happened but a big one was we we realized i realized at some point in that process. And we can talk more about it, that, you know, really the most important thing that we do is, is, is hire great talent. And so I really started focusing my energy and my priorities and our firm's energy and firm's priorities on hiring the best people at our firm and then at our portfolio companies. And that was really the beginning of what has turned out to be a a turning point. And, and, and we sort of took off from there.
2: And and Graham, okay. So now you, 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 Moved ahead to the point where a great team, instead of just a great individual, which is a something that that a lot of CEOs never reach. Okay, but but then you also wrestled and you won the rowing team. What did you learn from those experiences?
1: So um, yeah, I, I grew up in a blue collar town. I was a suburb of Toledo, Ohio, which is you know a rust a rust belt town, um, supplying automotive uh, parts mostly to to Detroit and wrestling was a was a big sport there you know a lot of that that midwest quarter pennsylvania iowa ohio yeah yeah iowa how big big wrestling uh um states and you know wrestling's hard (laughs) i mean it's it's a very hard sport you're basically on the mat with someone who you know you want to you're in combat you know and um i was i was pretty decent at it and i and i uh I, i I learned a lot in terms of just the intensity and the discipline, but really the thing I learned the most was, um, I, I failed, you know, and my, um, my junior year, I was the number one ranked wrestler in our, in our, uh, league. And I was facing off against the, the number two wrestler and I lost and it was a, a close match. It was a last second kind of contested call out of bounds. <laughs> um, and and I quit and I like I was so upset I I'd never wrestled again and and that like haunted me. I I just was like for the next for the rest of that year and the following year, I just I just I just realized like that wasn't the identity I wanted to have as someone who quits when it's hard. And um and that 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 turned out to be like the big probably one of the biggest turning points for me, because then I went to college and I rode crew. And I don't know if you want me to dive into that or not, Lynn. Um, or, or if yeah. you just wanted to stick with wrestling. I,
0: I wanna yeah. I wanna
1: ask you a question about that. So uh, yeah in crew, you
0: were actually, you know, cut both freshman and sophomore year, right? But then yeah. you stuck with it. So you it sounds like you learned the lesson from wrestling, you became captain.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what happened is um I showed up the first day and like 70 other young uh freshmen. Boys, I I went to Princeton, um, went out for the, the, the rowing team, you know, and we're all filling this room and everyone, you know, you you were like you could walk on. And not surprisingly, I wasn't very good. I didn't I had never been in a boat before. I didn't even know that they went backwards, you know. That's so good. uh I I I was um I wasn't very good. And they the coach after some period of time, the coach would post the two boats that we had on the freshman team. I wasn't in one of those boats. So the coach said, okay, you're going to be a land – anyone who's not in those boats, which, by the way, was almost everybody. There's only 16 guys in those two boats. He said, okay, you're a land warrior, which means you're going to train on land, which meant uh, the concept to a rowing machine. That's what that meant. So the next morning after the cuts, I did all the math, and the women's team had their cuts, and the heavyweight team had their cuts. I rode lightweight. So I'm thinking, okay, there's probably like 60 people who are going to be land warriors, and the first class starts at 9 a.m., and I did like all this mental math about how many people would want the ergs and the rowing machine. So I, I convinced myself I needed to be in the boathouse at 5.30 a.m. to make sure I got a rowing machine. Well, it turned out everyone got the joke that when they say you're a land warrior, that means you're cut, you know? It doesn't mean there's this big train. So no one showed up of those 60 people. I was the only one. I didn't need to show up at 5.30 to get the rowing machine. I mean, I could, I didn't have to show up at all, like no one. And, and so I started rowing on the rowing machine And I did that pretty much every morning for my freshman year before class and sometimes in the afternoon. And as you would expect, my time started to get better and better and better. And, you know, so by my sophomore year, I had a really good time, but I still was a horrible rower. I didn't make a boat that year. And by my junior year, I had one of the top times in the nation. Uh, And I, I didn't make the first boat. I made the second boat that year. And then i was elected captain my senior year by this point i had the number one for a short period of time i had the number one erg time on the concept two rowing machine for two thousand meters in, in the country and then i was elected captain and, and we won nationals but the part that tracks back to wrestling was every single day that i woke up that day i wrote at the i had this like green uh notebook like a spiral notebook and i wrote i am you know, the best rower in the u s, and I am never gonna quit. Like I am never gonna quit. I wrote that every single day in my journal. And had I not had the experience in wrestling and quitting and realizing how much I um regretted that, I think I would have I would have quit. I mean, there were thirty five times I would have quit. Uh, but um, obviously the story had a really happy ending.
2: And of course, that must then translate into the real business world because not every deal you're going to do is going to work and you've got to be able to say hey okay time is my most important asset so therefore if, if this doesn't work i got to move on to something else and yet i've got to motivate the, the, the people around me because i can't do it all by myself anymore
1: yeah yeah. And, and like, I don't know, I don't know what it is about me. It seems like things take me a little longer, <laughs> you know, like it took me a while to get good at rowing and it took me a while to get good at my business. So <clears throat> like, I started my company in my dorm room in uh, in, in business school at Stanford. I bought a business using credit cards and I lost money on my first five of my first eight deals. Our first fund lost money and like if you're if you're starting out in private equity and you lose money on your first fund like you're pretty much out of business like there's no <laughs> way to stick around and and plus i was 28 and and somehow i was able to raise a second fund and stick around but really like the magic was the same thing back to going back to the wrestling which was like you know it, it, i i just i knew what i knew about myself was i was going to stay with it until we won and I, I just knew that like there was never there were certainly days where I didn't I wasn't excited or days where I was, you know, what was me. But there was never a day when I said I'm going to quit, you know, because I knew from the early experiences that I would regret that. And I also knew about myself is that I was, you know, I was someone that would stay with it as long as it took to give you just to give you an idea, though. We lost money on our first fund. It was 14 years into starting Alpine. Before I actually really thought with confidence, like we were going to stay in business. <laughs> I mean, it was 14 years before I was like, "Okay, we have a real franchise, you know, a real business." And it was 18 years before we had success in a way that anyone externally would say, "Okay, you're, you all are really, you know, doing great." You know, that, that was 18 years. So uh, it, it it took a long, long time. <laughs> We
0: are about to take a break and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Graham Weaver on the Stadium to Boardroom show. And we're going to ask him with all of his experiences, with all of the challenges and his, his fortuitiveness, is that the right word? To follow through, what does success mean? So back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese.
2: And Lynn Green
0: on Stadium to Boardroom Show and with Graham Weaver, who has built Alpine Investors. is one of the best companies to work. It's winning tons of awards. He talked about before failures and not giving up at all. So here's the question. What does the concept of success after all you've been through
1: mean to you? You know, that's that's a really great question. And it's a really, I think a really profound question and I think there's, I think there's like a shallow answer to that question, and there's a, there's a, probably a deeper answer to the question. You know, the shallow answer to the question is, at least as relates to Alpine, my my firm is, um, is that we, you know, we hit the goals that we set out to do, and that's saying something because we set some really aspirational, really high goals for ourselves in terms of our performance, and we hit them you know and so i think i think that's probably like the simple definition of success is you know kind of using your imagination to envision a world that doesn't exist and then and like really kind of really defining that world in your mind first and saying this is this is you know 5 years from now 10 years from now this is the vision that we have it takes a lot of imagination it actually takes a lot of time to devote to that so for me personally I talk to an executive coach every week. Um, our firm has a lot of uh, executive coaching. We have offsites. We do a lot of you know big picture brainstorming, and we go we'll go away for three days and really kind of like paint this picture, and then and then bring that that vision, which seems crazy and aspirational, into reality. So that that's kind of how I would define success in terms of just build, running a running a company. You know, can you can you create a vision that's super exciting? That maybe no one's ever done before, and then bring it to reality. The the deeper answer of what defines success is is a little harder, um, because you know it's it's something like that expression. You'll know, be careful what you wish for, because <laughs> because it may be yours someday. And then and then what you know and and I think when you get to the end and you've actually hit some of the goals you've set, you start to realize that you know success is a little deeper than, than just that, you know, and it's really like, are you, are you happy with yourself? You know, are you, are you, um, you know, do you, do you, uh, you know, are, do you feel, do you feel good about who, who you've become and, and the, the, the lives you've impacted and you know, how you've shown up in the world and, 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 you know, what's meaningful to you. And, and I think, I think that's probably been a lot more, of my answer as as I've gotten older is more about, you know, it, it have have I been happy with the way I've treated people, with, you know, the impact I've had on people. Um, where, where when I'm sitting alone by myself and there's no external validation, there's no awards, there's no nothing. Am I do I, you know, am I am I in my true core feel good about, you know, what I've done? And that that's kind of the real definition, I think. When you're when you're when you're by yourself with yourself, are you you feel good about how you how you've kind of lived in this life
2: I mean, can, I, can I ask you a personal one I've also been fortunate okay that I figure that the harder I work the luckier I get in in certain things but then I felt that that I wanted to give it back to the students and so in a sense I started teaching at Babson so that I could give them real world experiences. And yet I find that by talking to them and, and getting their feedback, they give me new ideas I never thought of before. Does any of that come into what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, I I I I started just like you, Len, started teaching um, a number of years ago. I was a case guest first at Stanford and they wrote a case about me buying companies in my dorm room and all the stuff that went wrong, which, by the way, was everything <laughs> pretty right. much went wrong. And then about 10 years ago i started teaching uh two classes um full i guess not full full time full time in the quarters i'm teaching them and uh and like you know one of the one time sometime this uh one of the students said to me said oh you know graham it's really nice of you to come to you know back to stanford and quote give back you know it's really it's really nice that you're sharing your time and you know you know maybe you're not getting paid the same you would <laughs> running alpine but it's nice of you to do. And I was like, look, there's a hundred people, maybe a thousand people that would love this job and would are standing in line. And I don't think about it as giving back. I think about it as like, I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to be with the students and sharing this, this whole journey we go on together with them. I feel like I need to earn my spot there, like every single class, every little mini five minute lecture, every guest who comes to class. I mean, I feel like I have to I have to earn it, you know, and I have and, and these students are using one of their electives to take my class. And, you know, I I, I have to have this be something that's going to be really meaningful for them and. And I could talk a little bit about that, too, because I've changed my definition also of what's I think what's meaningful to them, too.
2: Could you just expand a little bit more?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I started my classes on entrepreneurship and <laughs> or, I, again, two, yeah, two different classes. But the one the one that I'm probably best known for is on entrepreneurship. And um, so so, you know, the first few years I taught, first of all, I didn't know how to teach or anything. So I'm like literally figuring out, OK, this student is bombing this role play and I got to move on or do I stay with them or, you know, I, I didn't, I had to learn all that stuff first, but I was really teaching the X's and O's of entrepreneurship. This is how you hire, this is how you fire, this is how you fundraise and doing this through a case method. But then I realized that, you know, students all have this dream that they want, that they maybe wrote their business school essay on, like, hey, I want to build this business and go do X. And I realized that a really large percentage of them were never doing that. Like they were, they, they, they just weren't like, I don't mean not doing it when they graduate, but I mean, ever. So that's really where I shifted my content and my classes. like, Hey, what's holding you back from this thing that you really want to do. You got one life, you're going to have one shot. And, you know, what are the limiting beliefs that are holding you back? What are the, what are the, what are the fears you have? What's the mindset that you have? That's, Keeping you from this thing that you really want to do. Because I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter to me what you do, but you have articulated to me your dream about what you want. So, how do we get you going in that direction? And that's become a bigger part of my class now. And that's probably the thing that students actually get the most of, if I'm being really honest.
2: Yeah. In fact, I'll show you this sometime. Okay. <laughs> That this idea of getting into Babson was so difficult. They said, you're 250th person on the uh, on the list. You haven't got a PhD. You haven't taught before. You haven't had anything published. How do you think you could ever teach? And I said, well, because I'm going to do it differently. I'm actually going to share my ideas and, and thoughts and challenge them with no books and no tests. Yeah. It, it, That's it, awesome. it, it is awesome.
1: How long have you been teaching, Len?
2: Well, I've been teaching twenty two years part-time up there at Babson, but I've been fired three times because I get in trouble with them because they say, Hey, we, you have to have business plans. And I say, Nah, don't have business plans because it'll change the day you go into business and they challenge me on that. And I say, Okay, tell you what, put it on toilet paper so when you do start a business and you know, at least it would be be, be useful. And somehow or other PhDs don't have sense of humor. <laughs>
1: that's great. That's a great story. (laughs) So I want
0: to, and and I want, I want to shift to ask, you spoke a lot about what you learned in wrestling and rowing, and you've had a great success where you obviously carry your people centric business as, and I know what it means to, to win that award. It's a big thing of best places to work. And, And so what are the similarities or differences between sports and business, if you could boil it down, Graham. Yeah, that's
1: a great question. Um I mean, the the first thing that comes to mind is that there are a lot of um you, you said what are the similarities and differences, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah. Is 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 to think like is to actually I, I try to focus a lot on the similarities. Um so this is this is what it would be easy to say that are the differences. It would be easy to say that in sports you have this super clear goal it's really clear you win or you lose you know you have a date you have a deadline you have a you have a scorecard um and and it's and it's really it's a really like um very very clear outcomes that you're shooting for and there's measurements along the way that could be your your speed your erg times your um you know, whatever your 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 uh, your scores, your 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 race times, whatever that is, and so you're making progress. So, so it's kind of like the purest form of goal setting uh, that there is. And, you know, and it would be easy to say the difference is business is a little. There's more. It's a little more nebulous. It's you know, there's there's longer time frames. You know, the goals maybe aren't as clear. And so I think I think for me, one of the things that has been a superpower of mine as a leader is to actually try to make business look a lot like sports and to try to make those goals super, super clear with a beginning, a middle and an end. So it's not this death march that goes on for decades and you don't know where you are. It's like, no, let's make them. You know, we have five year goals, one year goals, quarterly goals, and then we check in on the quarterly goals. And so there's like a beginning and a middle and an end every quarter. It's kind of like we have our own Super Bowl every single quarter. And we're tracking progress toward it. People know exactly what their role is to uh toward that um toward that five year goal, but they know what they're supposed to do this week, month, quarter. And we know who's accountable. Um, uh, we know what the date, the deadline, the deliverable is. And so I, I don't mean it to sound like really wonky, like we're not, you know, we're not like, you know, we don't have these big message boards with OKRs and all this stuff, but but I think the more you can translate business into having super clear goals the better because people are just wired for that you know it's 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 energizing it's energizing to know exactly where the finish line is and where you are and how you're doing and what your job is and so i'd say that's been a superpower for me running alpine is to to try to make it look a lot more like the sports um goal setting
2: when you hire somebody are you hiring them because you think they're going to produce results Or are you hiring them because they fit into the team concept and they're going to be part of the rowing team or okay, et cetera?
1: That's an awesome question. And so um, when I first started Alpine, I was young. And so my um, algorithm was, I'm going to hire people that have a lot of experience in private equity because I don't have that much and we need that. And that was a colossal mistake. I ended up building a culture that is exactly the culture I left in Wall Street because I hired those same people to my firm. And so after a few years of that, I literally, without hyperbole, I didn't hire another person who'd ever worked in finance, investment banking, private equity, or hedge fund for 15 years. Um, and the guy who I hired after that was, we always make fun of him because he he broke the seal. But, but for 15 years, I was, and I said, so, so, we, we have this expression that we hire for attributes not experience so we hire for who someone is their their willpower their will to win their grit their um, intellect their um you know kindness their uh just their, their character you know we're hiring for that because I can teach somebody private equity I can't teach them those attributes I can't teach them their character and so it creates um two things one a way better culture where people are excited to be here people like working together they're nice people um we didn't take the you know like wall street culture here but the second thing is these people have no ceilings you know they're, they're these are crazy high attribute people and once they get the experience i mean their their learning curves just continue for in some cases decades including my own you know and so it, it it's been a bigger investment to do that we have way more training you know we- <laughs> I mean, we're like, we're on campus right now hiring, we're talking to uh, juniors in college who will start their junior internship in 2024 with us. They'll be full-time in 2025. They'll be trained in 2027, (laughs) you know? Like, that's the kind of like, it's fun to say hire for attributes, but that's actually what it looks like. We're in 2023 hiring for people that'll be fully trained in 2027. You know that's actually
2: what that looks like, but it's been it's been phenomenal. Robert, is it okay if I ask one more question? One more, Len. The, the the people that we have come in to, to my class, okay, we always ask them the same question because the students don't. It, it takes almost a whole semester of everybody saying the same thing for it for, for to sink in. I ask them, "Is there work-life balance?" If I so, ask you the same question, yeah, then,
1: it, it, that that's. Gosh, you, you, you all are asking awesome questions. Another really great question. So, um, in my in my class, like I, I have a student. I, I had this I had this call with a student maybe like a couple of weeks ago, and the student was deciding if if uh, he wanted to start a, a company. And he said, one of his first questions was, you know, well, am I going to have work life balance as an entrepreneur? And I say, if that's your first question about being an entrepreneur, I probably wouldn't become one, you know, because <laughs> That's probably not the thing you're solving for as your first priority because, you know, in the early days, your your journey, your whatever you're building is so fragile. I mean, you blow on it a little too hard and it'll come crumbling down and you have to be ready to have that be your priority. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't, you know, for me, I mean, I was, I, you know, when I was in town, I tried to be home at six for dinner, went to my kids' games and things, but there were also times when. You know business needed me and i was there and i had to make it work we we literally would have gone out of business like 12 different times so so i i think i i think over the course of your lifetime you can have it all i really do i just don't think you can have it all at the same time so like there was a period of my time when all i had three young kids my business was very very fragile and that was it that was all i did i did my business and hung out with my kids and like I kind of drew a line after that. And now my business is a little bit more um, anti-fragile to use Nicholas Tlaib's term. And so, you know, I, I'm able to teach at Stanford. I write a blog. I'm on social media. I do, I, I'm able to do other things and my kids are a little older. And, you know, so I think you can have everything in your life over over the long period of your life, but just while you're in the early stages of starting your business, I think that has to be your your top priority. Glad you asked that, Len. What a great question. If someone wants to
0: find out about, Alpine investors and possibly work there where they could actually start working in maybe 2037 or something. <laughs> What's the website? Yeah, we're uh, alpineinvestors.com. I should have guessed that. Well, anyway, I want to tell you, Graham, what a pleasure it is having you on Stadium to Boardroom.
1: It's hey. it been phenomenal. I've really enjoyed it. What, it, what an awesome uh, idea for a podcast. It makes all the sense in the world. And I, I love that you're making that connection because I really think there is one, and uh, I'm honored to, to have been a part of it. And I have one final thing to say. Everyone, if you want
0: to succeed, have a Green Spiral book, and that may tie into Len Green, who knows, but the Green Spiral book like Graham had, and write in it, I am the best and I will never quit. Because that's what it takes. You will hit adversity, you will hit the speed bumps. And as we know, hidden behind the greatest obstacles in life are even
1: greater treasures. I love that. That's a great way to end. What happened when I you do that is part of your identity, you actually start to show up as the greatest rower. So like when my I said I'm the greatest rower in the United States, even though I was a freshman novice, you know, not even making that team. But you part of you starts to believe that that's your identity and you start to I never once turned off my alarm. I start to show up a little differently. And so there's, there's a lot of power in in that more, more so than just writing it down. You start to like kind of reprogram your subconscious a little bit too.
2: And, and, and Graham, just to, to finish, okay. Believe it or not, every one of the people who have been on before you, when I asked them what their greatest attribute was, they said, it's confidence so you, you just, just just give me the ball, give me the, the problem, give me the challenge. and that's what I like most, okay? And it just it fits right in. Well, you were one of the best ones we've had so far. Thank you very much.